0: Welcome to the New Providence Presbyterian Church podcast, where we will share our messages from our weekend worship services. We hope these messages will inspire you and challenge you in your walk with Jesus. Well, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Those words, for some of us, bring about a sense of celebration, Right, celebrating perhaps your dad, or perhaps celebrating the fact that you are a dad, or know of a dad. And there's a, a, a positive sense when you hear those words, Happy Father's Day. But for us, there's many of us where hearing those words may not bring about such a positive response. Uh, perhaps it's the, the memory of a father who was lost. I woke up this morning, one of the first thoughts on my mind was a high school classmate whose father passed away a couple weeks ago. And thinking about him and his sisters and and this is the first Father's Day without their dad. Prayed for him. Prayed for the, the sisters. Prayed for that family. And for some, so Father's Day may not be the happiest day, whether it's this year or for other reasons. Maybe it's a, a, a hurt or broken relationship with a dad. A disappointment of a relationship in the past. Maybe your dad's passed away and never had a chance to make amends. Or perhaps it's a relationship that's broken now. Um, or maybe perhaps you never had a dad. Um, so Father's Day could bring about lots of different kinds of emotions. For me, today I do celebrate... I celebrate Father's Day. I'm grateful for my dad. I celebrate the fact he is who he is. But it wasn't always that way. It wasn't always that way. And so today, I'm gonna to share a bit from my story. Like, like you, my life is a story, my life is a journey. And on that journey, there's lessons along the way. And so I wanna invite you into that today as we consider God's help for relating to our parents. And so we're gonna continue in our sermon series called Address the Mess, and today's focus is God's help with relating to our parents, and specifically with our fathers. And so if you've been with us, we've been looking at God's help for all kinds of relationships. And we're going to conclude this series next week. So this is the second to last sermon in this series. And today we're looking at God's help with relating to our parents. So as we think about, as I share from my story a bit, again, my dad growing up, early on, my memories of my dad were connected to those lots of chaos in our house. Right. Growing up here in New Providence, about maybe four or five, depending on how, how strong your arm is, four or five baseball throws that way on 39 Bradford Street. Right. In that house, I have early childhood memories of some chaos. Why? Some of you know my story with my little sister, Taryn, uh, who was born healthy. Right? But 22 hours into life, um, she almost suffocated and died. And because of that, experienced all kinds of seizures for the months and even years after that event. And so with her disability and cerebral palsy, there was lots of chaos in our house. Some of my earliest memories of my childhood, one of my earliest memories is of an ambulance in front of my house, taking my little sister, my parents needing to drop everything to go with her, and all of a sudden a neighbor is there watching us as my parents took off. And so in the midst of this world, and if any of you have grown up with a special needs sibling, you know how crazy life can be. There was a lot of stress and a lot of tension in the Lee household growing up. And so with that, that impacted all aspects of relationships, including my relationship with my dad. Where my dad, no doubt, had a lot on his mind, a lot on his heart. But there was lots of challenges from that. But it wasn't all challenge. It wasn't all bad. I have sweet memories, some early memories of my dad, going down to Toys R Us, right down to the Blue Star Shopping Center. For those of you who are younger, there used to be things called toy stores. You'd actually go in a car and, like, drive there and, like, look at toys and b- bring them to the front and pay someone for them with cash. <laughs> this green paper was incredible. And you bring it home. It's different then. all of a sudden, like, the truck shows up and <laughs> someone walks out, and pretty soon there'll be drones dropping the toys right in our, in our front yard. Sweet memories of my dad at Toys R Us. Sweet memories, I remember my dad saying, Jeffrey, let's, uh, would you want to come with me to pick up the Chinese food? and it was just a short drive. There was a little Chinese restaurant called China Coin. If you've been around New Province a while in the Village Shopping Center, right, we'd go there and pick up Chinese food. That drive there and back was a special time with my dad. Um, Saturday mornings, we'd go to Burger King. So what was Harley's Tap and Grill used to be Chen's, and you go back to Burger King. If you've been around a long time, it was Burger Express. They actually have a Burger Express apron in the Harley's uh, restaurant. Go look at it. I'm going historical this morning, but Saturday mornings, Burger King. We'd get Breakfast sandwiches together. That was a sweet time. And yeah, going to arcades, that was some of the best times with my dad and my sister. We'd go to showbiz down the hill, and I remember playing Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man, Centipede, the classic games. And when we run out of quarters, it was always that question would we be able to get another quarter? Dad, can we have another quarter? And the answer seemingly was always yes. There was a lot of grace in those quarters, those rolls of quarters that would come out. So there were good memories with my dad, but drowning out those good memories were the tough ones. Because with my dad, my dad, as as I reflect on early childhood, my my dad was always distant and scary. And I felt like whenever I made a mistake, and growing up in 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 an Asian household my dad, high expectations, where when there was a mistake, I heard about it, and heard about it with a loud voice. In fact, I still recoil if I hear my full name, Jeffrey. I just woke someone up in the back. (laughs) Jeffrey was, and I just, even if someone... If you call my name that way, I might go like this because it's just this defensive reaction. I did something wrong, something messed up. Like if I spilled a drink or, or made a mess or, or, or forgot something or didn't do my homework. Asian shame is real. And the guilt was there. And my dad, with this stare, would just stare at me. Even to the point years ago, uh, my oldest daughter, I remember looking at her when she was about three or four years old. I just stared at her when she did something. I don't know, she dropped something and. And she looked at me and goes, Daddy, don't look at me that way. And I realized I was giving her the same look that my dad used to give me. Sorry, Cambria. Um, because that's the way it was in the Lee household. So my dad was distant and scary. He used to set up shop like on the dining room table. That's where he would do his, the home finances and other works. But the only way to get upstairs was to go from the kitchen through the dining room to the living room. You had to go through the dining room. And I remember Heather and I would tiptoe through the dining room <laughs> and would not make eye contact with our dad. That's, we just didn't want to because he thought he would say something or correct us or put something on us. So it was always that sense of distance and fear from my dad. And so growing up, going through high school, going through college and post-college, and growing up, I always felt like my dad brought unsolicited advice at all turns. Yes, it's part of growing up and being a a teenager and growing up to be a young adult. You don't want to hear from your parents, but my dad kept bringing it. It felt like he was never satisfied. It was always a challenge, always more questions, always more to do, and I just didn't want to deal with him. And at different points where he disappointed me or didn't show up, I felt like I'm done. I'm done. And so I moved into young adulthood, Disconnected from my dad. But as I did, I looked to other father figures to fill that gap. right Coaches, teachers, even some wonderful leaders from within our church. And as much as they were helpful at points, it never truly filled the void of me wanting to connect with my father, to connect with my dad, to have that relationship, a close relationship with him. There was always something missing. There was a deep ache in my soul to connect to my dad. That ache was never fully addressed. I mean, Fast forward years later and going through seminary and moving out to the Seattle area, my first church as associate pastor of small groups around Maple Valley, Washington, far distant, right, west coast, east coast. Maybe it was the physical distance from my parents and my dad. But in that time, there was a chance to reflect a bit more and look at life. And during that time, I found myself praying even more so and reflecting on prayers from over the years where I would pray, God, change my relationship with my dad. God, change my dad. God, fix my dad. It was always fix him, change him, fix our relationship. But the more that I prayed, the worse it seemed to get. The more that I tried to engage with him, the more I realized how disappointed I was. And so as we moved out to the West Coast, I remember still praying that. And after giving up for years, saying, God, Is there something I'm missing? Something I can bring to the table? What is it, God? What am I missing? And I'm not saying it was an audible voice. I have not heard an audible voice from God. But the next thought that came to my head was clear as day, and I believe it's from God. And it was this. You can't change your dad, but you can learn how to relate to me. Learn how to relate to me first and see how that impacts your relationship with your dad. Let me read that again. You can't change your dad, but you can learn to relate to me. Learn how to relate to me first and see how that impacts your relationship with your dad. From that, I ask God for a renewed desire to relate to him. Not as a distant God, not as the God, the the all-sovereign, mighty creator God who's far away, which is what he is. But God who's revealed in Scripture isn't someone who's far away that we submit to and and follow and and follow all the rules to get to him. He comes to us. And so from that, I said, God, I want to try again with you first. And so as I did, God brought back an old Bible verse I had read many times over the years. 1 John has always been one of my favorite books in the New Testament in the Bible. And in the middle of 1 John, one of Jesus' closest friends, the disciple that Jesus loved, John shares this in 1 John 3.1. He says this, See, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. I invite you to read that with me. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That verse was like scales fell from my eyes. It was like this awakening as I said, okay, God, I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to look to relate to you as my heavenly father first and then see what happens with my earthly dad. As I did, I went on this adventure and it began really with this verse. I want to walk through this verse phrase by phrase. It is full of awesomeness. Is that even a word? It's just full of it. Grace is all over this passage, this verse. And I invite you to read this verse over and over and over this week. And let it just sink into your soul. Let the goodness of it sink into your soul. Let's go, let's go section by section. First it says, see, right? It's like John is saying, see, pay attention. Look at this, don't miss this. Do you see it? Do you see it? See, in other translations it says, behold. He's intentionally saying, I'm about to tell you something that matters. In the midst of a busy world, here is us. I think this is a divine interruption for us. Anytime you see the word see or behold in the Bible, pay attention. Here, John says see. See what? He says, what great love the Father has lavished on us. He uses the word great. All right, John Stott, the theologian and great pastor, notes that the the Greek word that's translated for great speaks to being from like another country. And so here it's saying, it's like this is out of this world. Like this is not something we can comprehend. It's like a foreign language. It's, it's something else. And it's because it's from God. And what great is it? Great love. And not just great love, the great love of the Father. The Father. Speaking to a personal relationship, a personal connection with God. Not a God who's distant, who's out there, but a God who wants to relate to us, to know us, for us to know Him. It says, see what great love the Father, I love this word, has lavished lavished on us this picture of like gushing pouring out not holding back see what great love the father has lavished on us what's the outcome that we should be called children of god right called it speaks to like a voice the voice of god not just speaking not just describing but naming a new reality that we should be called and named a child of god right adopted into god's family in the first century in the Roman world, like uh, uh, well-to-do individuals and families would be able to adopt a son to carry on the family name and be an heir. But typically, a family who was well-to-do would look for a, a, a potential son to adopt who had a lot of positive characteristics, was successful, showed a lot of promise, and if they were worth worth it, they would be adopted to become an heir and carry on the family name. Here's we look at this verse. It's not because of who we are, not because of our worth, not what we do, but it's because of God's loving invitation, because of God's great love, His initiative, His desire to have us join the family. We are called children of God. It's because of what He's done, not because of what we've done. So he says, look, look at this great love that the Father's lavished on us that we could be called children of God. He goes, that is what we are. That's what we are. That's what he goes next. And I love that phrase that follows up. He could have finished, that we're ch- called children of God. But he feels compelled to say, do you see what I'm talking about? Like it's almost as if he's saying, it may be Sunday morning. You may be tired. But this is what we are. This is what we are. We're called children of God. It's that great love. It's mind-blowing. It's out of this country, out of this world reality, that we are actually considered children of God not orphans, not left on our own, but brought into the king, kingdom to be a child of the king, adopted as his child forever. Right? John in his gospel describes it another way. In John chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, he says this. He said, Jesus came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, yet to all who received, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right, to become children of God. Right here in John chapter 1, right out laying out the truth about Jesus that the the, the world was made through him and all this great stuff about Jesus. He came to his own, but his own didn't accept him. Some did. Some believed in him. Some received him, but most resisted and rejected him. The great word in these verses is the word yet. Yet. Nevertheless. Yet. Yet to all those who believed in him, those who received him, Those who believed in his name. Saying, here's an invitation, they received it. Here's a gift, they received it and opened it. Those who received him, didn't reject him, didn't resist him, but received Jesus. And the key here is them believed in his name. When you read about a name in the Bible, it speaks to a, a person's very character. And meaning this is who he is, truly, inside and out. And believe that Jesus is who he said he is. Those who believed in his name. It says that God gave those individuals, the right to become children of God. That's interesting. In a world where we love to fight for our rights and talk about our different rights, there's very few rights that are afforded and given in the Bible. This is one of the few places. He says they have, had the right to become a child of God, a blessing, a transition, a change. And so as we think about this, we think about being adopted children, for me, in my story, I had to think about what does it mean to be a child of God? What does it mean to be a child of my heavenly father? And what does it mean for me to learn to relate to this God in that manner? With the hope and thought, how would that then impact my relationship with my earthly father, my earthly dad? I'll get to that in a moment, but I want to camp out for a couple of minutes on what it means to relate to God as father and some of the lessons that God taught me. There are a series of actions that God taught me during during those years since that word came to me in that prayer time. First, one way to relate to the Father is to learn how to trust him. Learn to trust him. This is more than just learning about God, reading lots of books or even reading scripture and, and having good theological, biblical knowledge. We need that. But it could be a temptation to think that if we know a lot about God, that we're also relating to God. We have to know more about God so we can know more effectively and faithfully how to relate to him. And for me, it came to a step of what it means to trust God, to actually believe who He is, what His promises are, and actually to lean on those promises. Uh, the great image from the songs we just sang, leaning into the arms of our everlasting Father, to lean on Him, to lean on His promises, to actually trust Him. And even in places where I felt that God may have blown that trust or disappointed me to say, God, I'm willing to give you another chance. Uh, with the belief and trust in knowing that God has given me a million extra chances. God, I'm going to give you another chance and to try and trust you, to learn how to trust him. So what does that look like? It means day to day saying, God, I'm looking to you for direction for my life. You're Lord, I'm not. You're King, I'm not. And so I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust and lean into this, that the things that you say in your word, the ways you're calling me to live in response to your love matter. And as I do this, I love and serve like you have loved and served Jesus, that life will be different. Life will change. I'll trust you with my life ultimately with my eternal destiny and into your hands. So learning to trust God. Second is learning to ask. Learning to ask of God. What I mean by this is truly coming to him and being free and open with needs and requests. In Ephesians three twelve, in the New Testament says, in him and through faith in him, we could come to God with freedom and confidence. This is not an image. If, again, if, if I let my earthly dad, my childhood image of him, Instead of being on a throne, being at the dining room table, there's probably not a lot of confidence of me tiptoeing through the dining room, trying not to make eye contact. That's not the image of God in the Bible. Because of Jesus, we're said that we're allowed to enter the throne room with freedom. We could come to God whenever we want in prayer. And we need to learn how to ask for our needs and our desires. I've had to come to that place where that's not something that would come naturally to, to ask my dad for anything or to ask any authority figure for anything, but God's trustworthy. And I had to learn I could come to him when I had needs and even desires. As Jesus says that our heavenly father loves to give gifts to us as his children. And so if we ask, you know, as we ask for bread, he's not going to give us stone. And yes, I had to wrestle with the question, well, God knows everything. Why would I even ask him? I mean, he already knows. I mean, what's the point of prayer? Why even ask him anything? Well, God gave me the gift of children. And when my children ask me for good gifts, if it's within reason, it makes sense. And even sometimes it's unreasonable, but because I want to be gracious. I love giving gifts to my children. And what happens when that gift is given? There's a closer relationship. And so my, yes, I could re- maybe know what they want and they could sit in their rooms and I could magically, you know, beam an Amazon package right into their room and take care of it. But that wouldn't be relationship. Relationship is in, enjoying that gift together, giving that gift. And I believe God wants us to enjoy gifts he gives to us, so we need to learn how to ask. Third is to learn to receive unconditional love. This was a hard one for me, because so much of life, especially growing up with my dad, felt like conditional love. Do X and get acceptance. Do Y, get quarters to play pack. No, but I feel like do these different things and you'll get an outcome. It was conditional, conditional, conditional. And thank God and praise God for our church. And for Mike Flavin and my salt leaders and my Sunday school teachers and all of you who, some of you are still in this room who invested in little Jeff Lee and showed me unconditional love, do you realize every time you teach a Sunday school class, every time you show up to be a salt leader, every time you show up to junior high online and deal with middle schoolers, every time you teach a class like Welsh, every time you do that, you are demonstrating the unconditional love of God to our children of the next generation. And I learned the unconditional love through this church. And I had to continue to learn that as much as I want to snap back into, okay, God, if I do this, then you'll give me why. God says, that's not how I work. I want to lavishly give you my love. I want to pour it out on you. Just open your hands. Don't keep them closed. Don't try and control me. I'm uncontrollable. I'm God. That's what God's saying. He's like, just open your hands and receive unconditional love. He wants to give it to all of us. I had to learn to do that. Number four, I had to learn to admit mistakes. And this comes from the other ones. If I finally started to understand that God loves me unconditionally, then he was safe to go to when I made mistakes. None of my mistakes, none of my sins are a surprise to God. Jesus died for all those sins. None of your sins and mistakes are a surprise to God. He knows you, he knows all your mistakes, all your secrets, and he still went to the cross to die for you. And so therefore we should have freedom to be able to come to him and admit our mistakes, admit our sins, and as we release that guilt and that shame, that weight, we can walk freely. Walk freely again. He wants to give us that gift of freedom to walk without guilt and shame. So I had to learn how to make, how to admit mistakes, confess my sins. And lastly, I had to learn to speak openly with God. This was one of the hardest ones. Yes, this relates back to asking God, but this is a little more raw. This is when it's like, God, I don't like what's going on in life right now. Again, with my dad growing up, he was distant. I felt scary, sometimes cold. The thought of making a complaint to my dad, it just doesn't compute. Like if I tried to do that, I don't know if I'd be standing here right now. Honestly. That's just how it rolled. And so the thought of coming to God and being honest, I've opened the Psalms and read about some of the ways that King David talks to God. I'm like, hey, 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 let's clean this up. Like, they've got to clean this up. You can't talk to God that way. No, but it shows that we can be honest with God. So when things aren't going the way we want them to go, or we're not sure what's happening, God doesn't want us to bottle up inside. That stuff don't work. It don't work. He doesn't want us to bottle it up. He wants us to pour it out to Him, speak openly to Him. And so as I learned these things with our Heavenly Father, I started to see how it impacted my relationship with my earthly dad. Not right away, not immediately, But as I received unconditional love from my Heavenly Father, as I learned to ask my Heavenly Father for my needs and even desires, when I learned to admit my mistakes to my Heavenly Father, when I I learned to speak openly with my Heavenly Father, all of a sudden, I realized I didn't have to look to my earthly dad to be something that he was never meant to be. My earthly dad was never meant to be God. God is meant to be God. And when I got that right with God's grace, and I'm still trying to get it right, when I started putting, looking to him first for all these different areas, I started to have freedom and being more relaxed with my dad. It was interesting what then happened. All of a sudden, I felt like I was able to have conversations with my dad more freely. And yes, he, he was going through a process as he was getting older. And yes, there was lots of things early on that there's a lot of grace for him. But he also was going through a process that through that time, I could then approach him. And all of a sudden, some conversations that wouldn't have happened years ago, I feel like if I didn't have first that sense of identity as a child, beloved child of God first, would never have happened with my dad. And so interesting when I was able to relax, all of a sudden I realized, wait, my dad, when he's giving advice, it's actually helpful. <laughs> like, really helpful. He has a lot of wisdom. He's been through a lot in life. And all of a sudden that unsolicited advice became wisdom, not annoyance. All of a sudden, um, I realized that he wanted to give to me and Laurie and our family in ways that in many years I've resisted. Being like, okay, is he trying to control me? If he gives me this gift, then what does he want back? No, just open your hands and let him be who he is. Um, Those are some examples for me. I invite you to think about your life. I don't know what this house applies, how this lands with you. But I just felt to, compelled to share my story with you today. Because somewhere in this, and it applies not just to our dads, but really everywhere, and we'll talk more about this next week, is that when we look horizontally for what we're only meant to get vertically, we get disappointed and in trouble all the time. And when I mean horizontally, looking to my earthly dad to be something that he's never meant to be. That's a lot of pressure on him. It's really unfair to him. Um, and it led a lot to a lot of disappointment in me about him. But then to be able to let that go and say, God, you're God. I know who you are. That's your identity. You are my heavenly father. And yes, for, whether you've had a good experience with your dad or a bad experience with your dad or you, didn't ha- or you haven't had a dad, the good news of the Bible is that you have another chance. You have a heavenly father. And God wants to reveal himself in that way to you and care for you in that way. I never remember, I never forget years ago at Up at Lake Saranac at a Young Life camp, there was someone who, she had such a horrible relationship with her dad and she was raging mad. She's like, how can God be my father? I don't want any part of this. And something switched in her and all of a sudden she realized, wait. If God is this way, he could be a whole different kind of relationship. And she gave her life to Christ because she wanted that relationship with that type of Heavenly Father. So I don't know where you are today in terms of your relationship with God, In relationship with your dad, whether he's alive or a memory of him. But I know that God wants to bring healing into your life. He wants to bring help. He wants to help you see things differently. And it begins by seeing God for who he is. Um, So today, is my relationship with my dad perfect? No. Is it better? Yes. Um, And I think it began by having this connection to my Heavenly Father first and then having that create freedom from a relationship with him. Um, So my prayer for you is that you would think about that. As you think about some patterns of how to approach this in your life, I would say, start by asking God for help. Maybe you've given up. Maybe, like me, years ago, I just had given up and even asked God to say, God, I want to ask for help again. Either relating to my parents or my dad now, or if your dad's passed away and there's memories that you need to let go, that you would ask God for help in that. Consider the same words that I sensed years ago from God when he said, you can't change your dad, but you can learn to relate to me. And to try and flip that, as opposed to trying to change your parent or change your dad or fix that piece, go it from another angle. Seek God first. Seek that relationship and see how that impacts your relationship with your dad or parents. Commit to relating to God as his beloved adopted child. Hear those words of 1 John 3, 1 and read them over and over and see them for what they are. The truth As a follower of Christ that you are a beloved adopted child of God. You are cherished. If those words that were given to Jesus as his disciple, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased, that in Christ, that is our heavenly Father's words for you. Fill in the blank, put in your name, you are loved. And with you, I'm well pleased. That's God's take on us. We may not feel it. We may need to learn what that is, but that's the truth. That's the offer that God has for you and his love for you. And then ask God to teach you how to relate to your parent or your dad in light of your relationship with him first. In summary, I'm gonna give you one thing to remember, one thing to do as we finish and some questions for reflection, and then we'll pray. One thing to remember is God gives us our true identity as a beloved child of God as we look to him and that sense of identity provides the help we need to relate to our parents. That's the one thing to remember. Remember that piece, where it starts. One thing to do is to commit to learning how to relate to your Heavenly Father as a starting point for learning how to relate to your parents. Right? And these, those action words there, learning to trust, ask, receive unconditional love, admit mistakes, and speak openly. Seek those first. See see what that looks like and feels like and see how that makes its way out into your other relationships. Some questions for reflection. One, how has your life been impacted by your relationship with your dad? Could be a good relationship, maybe a bad relationship, maybe a lost relationship or maybe a non-existent relationship. All of us have been impacted by our relationships with our dad, whether we've had one or not. Consider that. What does that mean? What does that look like? Number two, to what extent have you looked to God as your heavenly father? and therefore discovered your true identity as a beloved, adopted child of God. Wrestle with that question. Number three, what could change in your relationship with God and then also in your relationship with your parents as you let this life-restoring truth reshape your life, story, and relationship? Imagine if we did this. Imagine if we engaged in this. My prayer for you is, as you hear this, that you'll find a way to begin applying this to your life starting first with God as our Heavenly Father, seeing yourself as a beloved adopted child of God, and seeing how that makes its way out to other relationships. So as I pray for us, I'm gonna take a moment for us to, to put into practice what I said before. To Take those words that God the Father said to Jesus as, at, his, at his baptism. He said, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. I'm gonna take a moment to fill in the blank and I invite you to fill in the blank with your own name. Right, to say something like this, Carl, you are loved. With you, I'm well pleased from God. Right, say Aaron, to fill in the blanks, say, you are loved. With you, I'm well pleased, God's verses. I could just start going around the room, but we'll never go home. So that, let's take a moment to pray that um, and let that sink in. And we'll continue in worship and to respond uh, with songs after this. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we've considered this truth today and these stories. God, you know each person's story. You know what they're going through. You know their life. And you know about their relationship with their dad in particular. Whether it's a good relationship, a tough relationship, whether it's a, uh, an absentee relationship, maybe it's a non-existent relationship. God, I pray that whoever they are, that you would bring your grace to them right now. God, that each person who's heard this message will know beyond a shadow of doubt, God, that you would make it known to them that they are loved by you. If those words are true, if they put their first name and they hear these words, you are my son or daughter whom I love. And with you, I am well pleased. God, may we find our identity in those words that we are called children of God because of your grace and your love for us. Help us to embrace that grace. Help us to know that to the depths of our being because you alone can fill that void, God, that we all have that void that we have of desiring that love ultimately from you as a heavenly father. And so we look to you in the powerful and matchless name of Jesus, God. Hear our prayers. Amen.